Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Christy Dash, who leads strategic partnerships at Instagram. Welcome, Christy. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Christy, we're so excited to have you. So Christy, this year, I mean, if anyone was busy, I mean, you were incredibly busy <laughs> this year. <laughs> but I would love to talk a little bit about, you know, pre-COVID times. Like, what was your approach and the and the brands that you were working with? What were they thinking about at the start of the year? I mean, at the start of 2020, I think, you know, there were all the jokes about 2020 vision. This is going to be our year. Everything's going to be, you know, like a new start, a new refreshed strategy. I think a lot of folks on the Instagram side, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into it in a second about how all of that changed um, somewhat. But I think to be fair, at the start of 2020, a lot of brands were thinking about things like video, things like shopping, you know, Instagram had been talking for, you know, about a year about checkout and uh, a lot of newness on that side about, you know, launches like shopping from creators and whatnot. So I actually think, you know, in some ways, crazy enough, all that was just sort of accelerated because of the pandemic. But I think at the beginning of 2020, it was like every question was about shopping um, or video on Instagram. When you think about what, you know, you've helped brands do, you know, the last couple of years at Instagram, like what were they really thinking about? Because I think when you think about Instagram at the, you know, when we first all started using it, it was a social platform. It was like about engagement and talking to people. It was like a cooler version of Facebook, if I could say that on air, you know, but I'm wondering like what were brands doing when you first came on board and they start, first started working with you? Yeah, I think so. I've worked at the company for almost three years now. And I think looking back to the earlier days of my time here, it was a lot more, you know, just storytelling, I think. Um, You know, it was a bit more clear, especially with the fact that there was really just feed stories kind of live. Like, (laughs) I think a lot of people were scared of live at that point. Um, But I think folks were really thinking about ways to let their followers and their fans in on the lifestyle of their brand and sort of like what it meant to be um, or to buy into their brand. And so I think it was a little bit more top level on like who who we are as a brand and how to showcase that through the various suite of options that we provided um, on Instagram a few years ago. But obviously a lot has changed um, both in the environment, but also the platform has continued to evolve based off of trends that we've seen forming. Like for example, it goes without saying short form video has been uh, a huge trend, especially within the beauty community, I think. And just because it's so visual and I think beauty brands and creators have always been early movers in that space. Um, And so obviously Instagram continues to evolve based off of those behaviors that are already sort of happening. But um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think going back to sort of three years ago, it was more just plain like storytelling and that's it. Will you talk a little bit about, you know, what I always think is interesting is that who lets their fans in, who lets their um, audiences really know who they are. And I think, you know, three years ago, 
there were some brands who were a little bit more precious about that and some who were just kind of like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing if it stuck. Now it seems like everybody has to just throw things at the wall. Will you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to. I think you have to be willing to. And I mean, Priya, I know we we talked probably um, at the beginning of COVID over Instagram Live one day, quick throwback. Um, and I remember talking about how you really do need to be willing to experiment now. And I think you can't be so precious about things. I mean, even something like Instagram Live that has had this huge uh, surge in the last year, people were so nervous about it at the beginning of all of this because it's not produced. It's not edited. You can't go back and, you know, cut things out if you didn't like how it went. And um, now in order to sort of play the game, you have to be open to um, being a little less precious. So I love that word usage, Maria. Um, It's so true. Will you talk a little bit more about live? Because I think what you said is so interesting because at the beginning of COVID, you know, people were like, oh no, this is glitchy. Am I on? Am I not on? People seem to have that under control now a little bit more. But these brands, you know, even Sephora, I remember I was talking to Priya at Sephora and saying, you know, this was their biggest push, you know, this year. And like being able to have Dr. Dennis Gross or Shani Darden on their channels talking about these things and these products and these launches. And Sephora hadn't really played as much in live and live streaming. So will you talk a little bit about how you kind of get brands comfortable or, you know, help them along their journey to feel, you know, less precious with what they're doing? So when it comes to kind of getting brands feeling comfortable, I think the first thing, and I love that Sephora example, they've been doing such a great job throughout the last year, um, all things considered. Um, I think with live, it really helps, especially if you're not sort of a creator-led brand that has an obvious face of the brand. I think in those examples, it's a lot more clear your path forward. It's like lean into the personality That's what people love to connect with, especially in that sort of um, almost like a FaceTime with your followers sort of format. Um, But I think with brands like Sephora, also with brands like, you know, MAC Cosmetics with their built-in creator network of hundreds of global makeup artists, it's like leaning into that sort of think like a creator mentality has really, really helped them. And I think um, utilizing those personalities almost to sort of replicate the in-store experience of having that conversation with, you know, the makeup artist or the ambassador that you would be talking to in the store or having them answer questions, um, and sort of replicating that on Instagram live, I think has been really, really cool to watch and helpful for, People who maybe don't know what to do on live, even just simply answering questions, um, it seems so obvious and maybe not the most groundbreaking example of um, the usage of the surface. But I actually think it's the most helpful, um, especially at a time like this, when um, that's really your way of creating that you know intimate dialogue with your fans. You mentioned creators just a second ago, and you know I have to ask because. You know, when you have people like Nikita and when you have people like Tina Craig who are so obvious, like they were made for this, right? 
And they, you know, they were, were also, <laughs> they were also, you know, some of the early ones to pilot, you know, the shopping capabilities and really being able to add to cart. Like, how were you kind of thinking about onboarding certain brands to certain pilots as things got bigger? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to sort of these pilot programs, which I think with live shopping, um, as well as IGTV shopping, which launched, um, earlier this year, the main reason why we created those products in the first place were to just make it easier for followers to kind of act on the behavior that they already were taking from content that is sort of retail minded. You know, um, I love the example you gave with Nikita Dragon, um, Tina Craig, also amazing at this. Um, I know Patrick Ta, for example, was one of the um, creators slash brands who launched IGTV shopping with us. And, you know, he had already been utilizing IGTV in that way for years. And so just to be able to, you know, offer that little product tag on the bottom of the screen, it almost takes out some of the friction that I think his followers could have experienced in the past asking, you know, really detailed questions in the comments. What shade is that? Where can I get that? How much does that cost? Where can I get this? It's like, it just eliminates all of that, especially with the brands that are on checkout because it's literally three taps and then you've purchased the item. So when it came to sort of those pilot programs, we're really looking at the folks who were, you know, already, you know, creating stories in that way um, and just sort of adding the tag for them. But do want to call out just if there's any confusion um, to listeners, these are officially live now um, for all businesses. So live shopping is for checkout businesses only. Um, which we did open up access to any eligible U.S. Um, business or creator. IGTV shopping is officially live for all businesses. So very excited about this. So when you were thinking about, you know, opening it up out of the gate to everyone, you know, what kind of learnings did you really think that you applied for maybe those Patrick Ta or Nikita examples to the greater group? Because I, I just have to ask, because like now, you know, Instagram is a shopping platform just as much as Amazon is or any other marketplace, if you think about it. So so I'm wondering, like, you know, when you think about scale and not only scale for y'all, but scale for, you know, all of these businesses, what's important to think about? Well, you're right, Priya. Like we had to scale given the fact that in over the course of 2020, the it goes without saying, like the shift to online shopping has greatly accelerated. Um, I think the latest study that we found was something like 85% of people worldwide are shopping online now. And so um, that is why a lot of this has accelerated on our side um, in expanding access to checkout, in launching live shopping and IGTV shopping, because we just saw people, I mean, Every meeting I took, people were asking, like, when can we get this? How can we get this? Um, and it was actually a little bit um, more like just de- uh, there was a demand for the product. And I think a lot of people already sort of had their strategy in place because to our point earlier, they were already experimenting with live. It was a lot of really product driven visual sort of tutorials or showcasing um, their collections that they were launching. And so I think that piece was sort of there. And it was really us just listening and evolving to make sure we could fit that need, you know, 
for the industry. For your job personally, Christine, I know you obviously sit on the fashion side too, but you know, for beauty specifically, it seems like they were able to onboard so much faster, like it's happening so much quicker than I think any of us expected in 2020. Will you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think especially the beauty industry. I mean, Instagram, I I know I'm a bit biased, but I think it's really been the home um, for a lot of these brands on social media for a really long time. And I think they, like I said, they were really just waiting (laughs) to have access and for us to kind of feel like we had check out and a lot of these features in a good place to be able to roll them out more broadly and to scale them. Um, I think obviously the color cosmetic space is like Instagram gold for a lot of these things. Um, and within the beauty community, especially for something like, you know, the color cosmetics category, Instagram is their home and they were really just waiting for us to launch these features. And I think you're totally right. Like there has been a much quicker um, sort of adoption rate within the beauty community. And it's not that we're, you know, you're right. Our team focuses on fashion as well. I have colleagues who are working with, um, you know, everyone from luxury fashion houses to um, small businesses. And I I have to say, you know, the beauty community has been the quickest to adopt. And I think that just shows that they're, um, you know, really willing to sort of experiment with us, learn with us as we sort of launch new things and, and continue to prove that they're early movers in the digital space. That's a good point, Christy, because obviously, you know, when Instagram first started, I think people were saying, you know, I have all this engagement, I have all these likes, I have all these views, but what does that really mean to my business or to my brand? And now all of that's trackable. So how do you kind of use the storytelling to fuel sales and use the sales to fuel storytelling? Like how is that working now in your day to day? Yeah, I think now more than ever, it's clear that those things are related and it sort of is this flywheel, right? Like for example, um, recently we launched our new redesign, um, which has launched the shop tab as well as the reels tab. If a brand goes viral on the reels tab, um, from a really creative or humorous or inspiring reel that brings new eyeballs to their account. And in turn, um, brings new, you know, customer acquisition or awareness to their brand, um, and sort of fuels this whole 360 degree process. And so, I think it's just really, really exciting to watch. And I think Instagram has obviously, I think, really put in our put our stake in the ground um, when it comes to that redesign, for example, with both the Reels tab and the Shop tab to say, you know, we care about you guys as businesses. You know, Instagram isn't just for friends and family. I think both shopping and entertainment are two of the biggest interest categories on the platform, which is why we launched that redesign in the first place. And I think everything we just talked about with shoppable video, whether that's with live shopping or IGTV, um, shopping tags, it's like that sort of is the perfect intersection of both, right? Because it's like the mix of entertainment as well as shopping. So I think it's, it's so much more connected than it used to be. I think our platform and the tools that we're building are making that even more clear to brands. And it's just really exciting to watch. 
from the live streaming perspective, because, you know, everybody's kind of like looking to China, looking to Tmall, like, you know, for those learnings, like how do you integrate an influencer to talk about a brand and not feel like sponsored content? And, you know, how are you all thinking about it? Or like, what are best practices or best examples, like from the brands that are doing it in your wheelhouse? You know, what's funny about that is that, um, Layla, who heads up our shopping product team, um, I'm not sure if you guys have had a chance to connect yet. Um, she was saying something the other day about how I think a lot of brands and creators are worried that they will come across as too commercial or like they're pushing their product in live. But I actually feel like it's kind of fine. <laughs> like you shouldn't be worried um, about coming across in that way, especially if the whole point is showcasing your product or talking about a product you actually really care and love. Um, like I said earlier, those are things that creators and brands are already doing. And I think just because there's a shopping tag on it doesn't mean that it suddenly feels more um, like branded content. In my opinion, it just makes it a little bit less frictionless, um, to actually get the help or get, you know, get the product that you end up wanting from watching that 45 minute tutorial on, um, a collection. And so I actually, when it comes to live best practices that are shopping, um, or sort of retail minded, I love what Layla said. And I would say, do that. Like, don't be afraid to actually sell the product. Um, because, Followers like to be told what to do. And that applies to all services within Instagram. It's the same reason why, you know, in stories, if you kind of walk people through the steps of how to complete a transaction on checkout, you, we see higher return there. Um, if you have even just a simple call to action on a swipe up, um, you see more people swipe up. It just makes it feel a bit more interactive. And so I think that applies to live shopping um, and just, you know, live streaming in general is like, it's okay to don't be afraid to sell. I feel like that's such a good point because, you know, I think one of the things that we see in China is that they aren't afraid to sell. Exactly. It's about selling. And, you know, I think that there's this question around social media, larger question rather, that is around like authenticity and pay for play and like what's real and what's imagined. But it's like, if you're participating in a shopping app, you know, then you need to sell product, right? Exactly. That's so true. Um, talk to me a little bit about the makeup category, because, you know, you said something a second ago that Instagram was the home of these color cosmetic brands. Like, you know, it was the way, place to show like before and afters and really glossy tutorials and, you know, education. But now, you know, the market is, you know, in a tough place. And obviously we are all wearing less makeup. So how have you seen those brands kind of pivot um, when you think about like larger industry trends? Yeah, I think when it comes to the color cosmetics category, frankly, like even this year, we haven't even talked about this yet, but there have been a lot of brands that have launched this year, which I find really interesting. And um, especially just watching how they're truly Instagram native brands, because this is their really the main channel um, for pushing out these launch moments and um, um, both for on the kind of like granular collection level, but also like for their entire brand story. I think Definitely seeing folks lean into the more sort of wearable, easy, comfortable um, makeup. I think the example that comes to mind um, is Gucci Westman's brand, Westman Atelier. I 
am obsessed with her live streams and her IGTV videos. And it's like just watching her kind of transform herself in a way that um, really resonates even just like on a Zoom call has been really entertaining and I think feels a bit more sort of um, realistic and attainable during this crazy time. Um, But I think that being said, there's on the complete other end of the spectrum, people are bored at home. And I think beauty lends itself to just this sort of um, escape and the artistry about it. I think there's still a lot of, for example, on reels, like I think a lot of the reels trends are sort of these really extravagant um, art, artistic looks that people are creating with makeup. And so I think it's really interesting that the beauty enthusiasts, like they're still there. They're not going anywhere. The full face, like makeup crew, they still love wearing their full face, even over Zoom. Um, And I think you can see that in the fact that, you know, these brands are still kind of serving both ends of the spectrum, which I think is really cool. Talk to me about reels because I am, you know, so fascinated by like this kind of evolution. Like first we were looking at static imagery, then we were kind of like playing with stories. Like here we are, short form video is like where it's at all over again. And this is a little bit of a throwback to Vine days, but, you know, I'm wondering, you know, how you kind of own this space when there is more competition here, you know, from the trillers, the TikToks of the world, like what's Instagram's take and what's Instagram's take for beauty? Yeah, well, first off, I just want to say I love the competition. I think healthy competition is an amazing thing to continue to fuel um, the importance of social media and to continue to push us forward um, with these various different mediums. So I just want to say that right off the bat. And I know our company feels the same way. Um, But I think the other thing to realize and remember, Instagram has been growing its video platforms since we started. I think, um, so leading up to the Reels launch, we actually found that short form videos, which we defined as under 15 seconds, made up 45% of all videos posted to feed, which is very significant. And I think when you realize that that type of behavior was already happening, um, Reels is really just our way of sort of um, packaging it and sort of positioning it in a way that I think sets it apart a little bit and makes it easier to discover new accounts. And so that's really, I mean, a lot of the videos that are performing on Reels, again, they were already being posted to feed. Um, It's definitely a little bit more dynamic and finding ways to make things feel a bit more, you know, quote unquote, Reelsy versus, you know, just an extended story or, um, you know, a simple feed video. And I think that's a lot of the sort of oddly mesmerizing transitions. It's the dynamic cuts and edits. It's also, frankly, humor. It's a little bit more lo-fi, which I think brands are hopefully going to continue to experiment with, um, just watching even how they adapted with live. I I think we're still really early on in the reels um, process. It's only been live for about a couple months at this point, but I'm, I'm just really excited to watch people kind of hop on these trends and be willing to sort of play into these viral moments. And I think that's kind of something interesting about reels is within the brand space, especially, obviously everyone's trying to create these unique moments um, for their brand and their community. 
But something that makes Reels almost sort of easier in a way is that it's okay to hop on the trends that other people maybe started or to utilize original audio clips that are going viral um, to create your own version of um, that piece of content. And so in a way, it's almost a bit more prescriptive since you can sort of follow that playbook a little bit based off of what's trending. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited to watch brands continue to play in that space. Will you talk a little bit about the lifestyle piece of it? Because, you know, I think it's funny that we've seen, you know, the the memification almost of these reels and the way that you were talking about uh, being able to hop onto an existing trend or, you know, what's already happening in the ether. So how do brands like authentically, and that's a funny word that I'm using here, authentically do that when they are like very polished or they're known for that positioning? I would really say lean into your creator network for these. I think you can't force it if, you know, if you don't feel like you have that sort of sort of built in face of the brand and they just aren't willing or don't want to have fun with reels, like don't force it. I think you can find ways to utilize influencers or um, friends of the brand to kind of create this content for you. Um, I also think that, you know, it's not like every single brand has to do dance challenges <laughs> or I'm not, I'm not saying that by any means. Um, I think there's actually some uh, you know, I, I hesitate to use the word elevated to describe reels at all because I feel like brands could take that to a degree that I don't want them to. Um, but I think there are some trends that are a bit more polished, um, but you just can produce them in a way that feels at home on Instagram. So for example, um, I feel like it's always hard to kind of explain some of these reels trends over voice without visuals, but there's some, there's some really cute trends right now using voiceover or like original audio clips where it's almost like someone in the background saying step one, step two, step three. Um, do you guys all like my dramatic, um, <laughs> That's your radio voice. That's That's your radio voice. My my podcast voice. Your podcast podcast voice. voice. Um, And so those original audio clips, um, I do just want to call out that brands, unfortunately, due to legal reasons, can't actually use music, which I know... I know it's tough. Um, and I, I, I feel for you guys because I know that's such a big part of, um, you know, a video experience. But that's why there's a lot of examples like these using voiceover or original audio that you are able to um, recreate with that I think are really cool. So anyways, going back to that example, um, I think those types of formats, you could actually theoretically do a reel or produce a reel in a way that does feel both at home on reels, but also is still your brand voice and your brand identity. Um, but I think just in general, like our biggest push for the last few years to try to get brands to feel comfortable with is shooting things on iPhone or Android. Not, not, I actually always hate saying, um, iPhone shoot things on your phone vertically. Like we've been talking about vertical video for the last three years, this is your chance, um, to really show us what you got. Um, but I think there's still ways to play into the reels sort of, um, game while still being true to yourself and your brand values. 
when you think about 2021, you know, what of these features do you think is going to be so important for the brands? You know, if you had to pick one, which I know is very difficult, or which one do you think will be like more superior when it comes to like usage and, and what brands need to think about? Because I mean, the reality is we're staying at home for a lot longer than we expected. I mean, after nine months, I mean, I read somewhere yesterday that, you know, we'll probably be masking and social distancing until this time next year. So Knowing all of that, what do you think is going to become like the premier uh, part of Instagram? I love this question. So I would definitely say shopping from creators, which we haven't really talked about yet during this um, interview. But I I just think there's so many creative use cases for shopping from creators. Um, For those of you guys who don't know, um, shopping from creators is the feature that is unlocked once you onboard to checkout. Um, and essentially as a brand who is onboarded, you can add, um, any creator you want to use shopping tags on your behalf, um, on their personal accounts. Um, and I just think, you know, everything we talked about during this podcast today, like whether that's live, um, and utilizing creator, founders or whether that's um, a brand utilizing their makeup um, artists that are part of their built-in creator network. It's like all of those people, especially the ones who are already organically tagging your products. I just think there's so many creative ways to utilize shopping from creators where those folks are, um, again, just making it easier for their followers to discover new products. Um, Also, just an FYI for things like live shopping the creator who has access to your product tags, um, they can actually go live on their personal accounts um, and use the tags on their lives as well. Um, so I just think that alone opens up a whole new um, way to discover brands. And I think the brands who are um, doing it right are the ones who are experimenting with various different you know, ways to use this product from, you know, I know some people are starting to even just add their full gifting lists, like their influencer mailers to shopping from creators, um, which I think is fascinating. And, you know, of course, in those organic use cases, I don't think every single person is going to end up using the tags by any means, um, at least not yet, <laughs> um, maybe in a couple of years, but um, just even starting to kind of play around with those types of things, I think is really cool. There's also people who are, you know, creating contests with their followers or, um, you know, obviously the most sort of general use case right now is a lot of the brand partnerships and and utilizing these massive creators um, who you already have existing partnerships with to kind of unlock a whole new discovery channel on their personal account through them using your brand tag. So I just think there's a lot of really cool ways to utilize shopping from creators that we're just kind of scraping the surface on now since all of this is still pretty new. Last question for you, Christy, and it's kind of a big one to end on, but you know, you're talking a lot about creators and the ability for them to activate their audiences, but some of the biggest launches this year were creator-led brands, you know, like the Patrick Stars, you know, of the world. And um, I'm wondering, you know, are you seeing that trend as well? Are you seeing like, you know, the Tina Craigs of the world who were once, you know, shilling for someone else, realizing their power, realizing their power and beauty and starting their brands. And I'm wondering what you think of that trend. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I feel like any of us in this industry know every time we check our email, there's a new announcement 
um, for a creator-led brand that launched, whether that's an influencer or a celebrity. And I, I think it's really, really cool. And I think it's really innovative um, how they're utilizing social media to kind of continue to to push their brand forward. I think what's interesting about some of the creators who, you know, in addition to their brand, also have a full-time job as an influencer to promote other brands is that with the launch of features like shopping from creators, you can still do both. So for example, Tina Craig, who we've used as an example multiple times during this. We love Tina. She's like our biggest advocate. Um, she has her You Beauty handle um, that's on checkout. And she has essentially added herself, her personal account as that creator to use tags on behalf of her own brand. So it enables her to continue to post organically about both her brand as well as other brands without feeling the need to, for example, um, and this is a question I've gotten a lot, um, as more brands sort of launch from creators is, do I just keep the brand on my personal account and not even create a separate account, which I think is interesting. And, you know, there's not, there's no right um, or wrong answer to something like that. And that's sort of a personal decision, but I think it's really cool that you can do both and you can um, be able to continue your organic strategy on your personal account. You can continue your brand partnerships. Um, you can continue your unboxing videos of just, you know, the massive influx of packages you get in your day-to-day um, -day life, but also use your tags um, on your personal account that likely has um, probably higher engagement, probably bigger following um, without sort of like losing, um, you know, both sides. So I think it's really, really interesting. And I, I personally am all for it. I think it just further democratizes the industry. And I know there's probably some haters out there, but um, I think it's really cool. Thank you so much, Christy. It was great having you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Tune in next week for another episode. And if you know someone or more than one who should be listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, please have them subscribe. See you next week.